Amen, amen. Well, church, I would like you to stand this morning one more time. Uh, we are going to take it just a moment today to honor uh, what this weekend means for us in our country. Uh, there's obviously, in a diverse nation like ours, there's a lot of uh, mixed feelings about uh, things that are happening right now in our nation, but I want to say to you, and I think many of you will agree with me, or all of you, that I'm grateful for our freedom, because without our freedom, we wouldn't maybe be able to do this right here. And one of the greatest freedoms that we have is the freedom to gather for worship. And, um, and the, there's, there's such a significance for the body of Christ to gather together in worship. And we, we owe a great debt to those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who paid the ultimate price, so that you and I here many years later could do the very thing that we're doing right now in this room. And online is that we have the freedom to worship Jesus as we feel led. In 1863, President Abraham Lincoln, in dedicating the, the cemetery at Gettysburg, and in recognizing the fallen who had given their life, he said these words. I love this phrase. He said, they, they gave the last full measure of devotion. And that's what we honor, is those who before us gave the last full measure of devotion uh, we also want to remember today that our nation is hurting right now. You know, every one of us knows what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, this week, 19 children and two adults lost their lives to a, a wicked, heinous act. Uh, I'm going to keep my commentary to myself, but we want to pray today, right? We're not here to comment on what, why, how, how come, but we want to pray Right? We want to, amen, church, we want to pray. We want to be a praying people. We want to pray for, pray for our nation, pray for those families. I, as a dad, I can't even imagine the, the emotion. And four of those children lost mom and dad this week. Dad died of a broken heart, a heart attack after he learned the news. And so we want to be together praying for the, that community, those, those families. And praying for the body of Christ in Uvalde, Texas, and in Buffalo, right? There's not just isolated. The, the, the brokenness and wickedness of mankind is all over. Uh, we continue to pray for the Ukraine, of course. Uh, but in our home, in, our home in, in, in this country, in Uvalde, Texas, man, we want to pray for the body of Christ, that churches will be sought out for their comfort, for their, as a place of refuge, right? Like just believing that God would, would use this moment to to lift the, the rise of the kingdom of God in that place and that, that the church would have a voice, that the church of Jesus Christ would be a place where people go to find help and hope and comfort in this time. So I, I ask you to lift your hands like this just to agree together in praying for uh, those affected and for our nation as well. Let's pray today and feel free to lift your voice as well. God, today we lift our voices and we pray for the families in Uvalde, Texas. We pray, God, that you would minister supernatural peace and comfort in, the, in their brokenness, in their desperation, in their grief, in their heartache, God, that you would minister and do what only you can do. Bring people, bring comfort, bring hope around this desperate situation and the, the heartache that some feel right now, God. I pray that you would minister as only you can, let the Spirit of God be present and tangible in those homes. I pray for the community of Uvalde. I pray for the churches in that area, God, that you would inspire them with, with new ways of reaching people, new ways of loving their community, and new ways of, of elevating the name of Jesus in the most appropriate and meaningful way possible. Stir your people in that area, God, catalyze them and inspire them and equip them, God, to do whatever they can to be an extension of the love of Jesus to this broken community. Pray for our nation today, God. We, we're grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy in America. We're grateful for the lives of those that were given to give us this freedom. We're grateful, of course, for Jesus and what he gave but we pray for our nation today. We pray for America, that God, you would continue to move in this place. We believe that the hope of the world is the local church. We don't find our hope in any government or political system or political party. 
we find our hope in the risen Savior. We find our hope in Jesus Christ, and we find our hope in his church. I pray that, God, we would be part of that answer in this nation, that we, as the, the people of God, would, would show the world what it's like to live with one another and to love each other in unity and harmony. Let us be a picture of what that should look like, God. And I pray that, Lord, you would bless this service, bless our gathering, and bless this word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 God bless you, churches. You are seated today. <coughs> You know, we believe in the gifts here at the church, and I'm just going to read this. Somebody handed me a, a word that maybe for a couple of you, maybe for all of us, but it says this, peace, my peace, I declare peace in the midst of the storm. Strength, my strength, I work through your weakness. My glory, my glory, in and through all things, my glory. You know, last Sunday we, we talked about the goodness of God and we no doubt felt challenged by God's goodness this week when we saw what unfolded in an elementary school. We might question, well, God, really, your glory in all things? Well, yes, that's what the Word of God says, that He wants His glory to be seen in all things and in all places. And, um, and so I'm praying that, that God would release something in your life today. Maybe when you walked in, you saw something new in the atrium. Uh, it's been on my heart for some time that we would have the Word of God on the walls in our church, and the first place was right above the crosses. If you didn't see it, make sure you, as you walk out today, you take a look. Um, on the back side of this wall is 2 Corinthians 3.17. says this, And the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And my prayer is that our church is a place of freedom. Freedom in the spirit, freedom in the soul, that people, when they walk through these doors, that they would experience a level of freedom that they've never known before. And that every Sunday when we gather, that people would experience freedom as they encounter Jesus Christ in this place. And my prayer today is that God would release something supernatural in your life. And that some of you in this room, that the Spirit of God would, would lead you to release something out of your life back to God. Uh, two months ago, as I shared last Sunday, if you were with us, if you didn't, if you didn't, we didn't have the chance to be here last Sunday, I would encourage you to go on to our website sometime this week and check out last Sunday's message. I really believe it's a very important word for everybody in our church to have heard. I spoke on the goodness of God. I closed last Sunday with some of the words that the Apostle Paul spoke in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He said, and do you not know that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? Now, there might be a lot of things that, that stir people to repent and to come to Christ, but ultimately, Paul said, it's the goodness of God that leads someone to repentance, to give their life to Christ. And last Sunday, I want to celebrate with you that 18 people in this room and online made a decision to respond to the goodness of God and give their hearts to Jesus last week. 18 people entered eternity and had their name written in glory. That was an amazing thing, and I'm believing that God will do the same today. And I'm going to finish that, that statement today. Paul said, it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And I want to preach today about the second half of that eternal statement where Paul said that it leads us to repentance. I think repentance or repenting is sometimes uh, we don't address it enough in the church, and I want to talk about it today. Uh, I felt like the Lord dropped these two topics in my heart two months ago, and this is the release date for me to talk with us about repentance, about what God wants to do. I believe this is a very simple word. Um, I'm going to illustrate it. You see these pillars behind me. I, I hope that my prayer, that I want to add this, my prayer is that some of you will be haunted by what I share today in a good way. Um, throughout the course of your life, I hope that I'm giving the, the Spirit of God some material to bring back to your recollection whenever necessary so that you're haunted by the images today that, that the Lord would allow you and equip you and energize your faith walk with Him. 
Um, and so I believe that today is going to be a powerful moment, that God's going to release something very specific in your life. Uh, before I get into the word, though, I want to ask, I want to illustrate with a couple of things that I think you might relate to. Let me ask first, how many of you in this room are dog owners? Raise your hand. Oh, man, a lot of you. A higher percentage at 11. How many of you, let me ask this, are proud dog owners? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you believe that your dog is part of your family. <clears throat> Every one of you, right? Listen, so I used to laugh and kind of internally mock dog owners who considered their dog to be part of their family until I got a dog. <laughs> and then I'm like, I get it. Like, okay, like I understand. Like, because you start to get attached to your dog, right? Like you start to, you really do consider your dog to be a part of your family. And that's how we feel about our dog. You're going to see a picture of Chloe behind me. This is Chloe. Um, yeah, she, she's a cutie. She's a great dog, amazing dog. We love Chloe so much. And you probably all, most of you feel this way about your dog. They're just, they're special parts of your family. We feel like Erilyn has a sister in Chloe um, because Chloe is such, she's just such a great part of our family and we truly do consider her part of our family. She's a, a, a kind, sweet, loving dog. She's all the, all the things that you want a dog to be. However, Chloe does have a dark side. Your dog does too. Okay, let's just level the playing field. Chloe's got a dark side. Uh, two things I'll share today. Uh, one is that <clears throat> Chloe literally sheds half her body weight in fur every day. I mean, it's like a fresh accumulation of Chloe hair all over the floor every day. She's part Cocker Spaniel, part Cavalier, and she sheds. Like, it's ridiculous. Anyway, but there's another uh, part of her dark side that I think connects to what I want to share today. So if you're a dog owner, you're like me, probably you're like me. You don't love the smell of a wet dog. Can I get a witness in this room, right? Amen. Come on. Like, dogs are fine, but wet dog is not a great smell, okay? So when it rains outside, uh, there is a routine that Chloe is aware of that she has to go through before she's permitted entrance back into the house. Now, we have a little, now you, you're dog owners, you probably know this too, like, we've got a little sunroom that's like our daughter's craft room. There's a sliding glass door, and it's like a, it's not a big room, but there's also a door that, that leads into the kitchen area. Now, when it rains and Chloe comes in wet, her fur's wet, her paws are wet, something has to happen before she gets entrance into the house, because I, like you, I don't want her dragging into the house the water, the mud, the dirt, Whatever she accumulated outside, she can't bring it in. Are you with me so far? Chloe knows that, she knows, she literally knows when it's raining or it's wet outside, she knows what's about to happen. She, there's a towel in that room, and if she's wet, I'm going to dry her off. I'm going to pat her down, dry her off, and I'm going to wipe every one of her paws before she drags that into our house. Amen. Thank you, Vince. That's a strong amen. Type it in the chat. Amen to drying your wet dog off. Go ahead. Type that in the chat. So Chloe, in knowing what's about to happen, when she gets, so she comes through that sliding glass door, knowing what's about to happen, Chloe will literally walk right by me and stand at the door like this, nose at the door. She's tail wagging. I'm, li I'm literally standing right next to her. I am standing here. Now, only when it rains. When, it, when it's not raining, she, hey, Chloe, how are you? She'll look at me. She'll make eye contact. She'll walk in, get her treat. But when it's raining, she will go to that door, nose at the door like this. She will not even look at me. Because she knows. So I've got to gently grab her by the collar. Not always, sometimes a little force, like, Grab her by the collar, get down on her level, and wipe her down. She literally will ignore me. She makes me feel invisible when it's raining outside. Now, if you can't relate to this, let me ask you this. So most of you in this room are old enough to drive. Most of you are, are, are old enough, and you operate a motor vehicle. You ever get to a, a situation in your driving experience where somebody cuts you off, and they know they cut you off, and you know they cut you off, 
and they refuse to let you know that they know that you know that they cut you off. And they, they cut you off, whether it's a four-way stop sign or they're, they merge on the traffic and they know that they cut you off, what do they do? Steering wheel, head down. They are not looking at you. Like white knuckle grip, nope, I'm not looking at you, I'm not looking at you. They don't make eye contact. All I want is a little recognition. I just want a simple acknowledgement that you know that I know that you cut me off. Is anybody with me? Come on. Am I asking too much? Just a little like, oh, my bad. Like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, no. Just like my dog at the door. That driver, some of you are that driver. Repent right now, okay? They get, they get on that wheel and they make the turn and they're just, they won't look at me. Just give me a little wave, you know, something. I wonder, I wonder this, how often... We respond to God like that. When you and I, again, none of us is perfect in this room. When you and I says something, thinks something, or does something that grieves the heart of our Father, I wonder for how long you and I stand at the door, God's on our side, and we're just like, and we sometimes imagine that God didn't take notice. We sometimes wonder ourselves, well, maybe if I don't acknowledge it, maybe if I just kind of let me just kind of drive on, just move on. I can just move on and kind of forget that I did that or thought that or said that. Maybe God won't need me to acknowledge that. I want to call us again, like I did last Sunday, I'm, I'm calling us as a church. What I believe is up to like a varsity level faith life. I want to read to you some words that Peter wrote, one of the apostles of Christ. He wrote this probably 30 or 40 years after Jesus came out of the grave. And he kind of sets the bar for us. I don't don't want you to walk away today thinking that I or, or the church or God is expecting you to be perfect. However, the bar has been set that God does invite us to be holy as he is holy. Look at the words of Peter in this letter. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13, Peter wrote these words. He said, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, like just think about a mind that's clear, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. I love this phrase. As obedient children, the will of God for your life and for my life is to live as an obedient child of my Father in heaven. Peter said, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Jesus even quoted those same words in his own ministry, be ye holy as I am holy. You might wonder, well, what does it mean to be holy? Holiness in its most simple sense, simply means to be set apart from or separate from that which is evil and to be conversely dedicated to that which is of God. So when the Bible says that we're to be holy as God is holy, it simply means we're invited to separate ourselves from that which is evil and to dedicate ourselves to that which is of God. That's what it means to be holy. But... None of us in this room does that to perfection. Every one of us from time to time will stumble, will fall, will make a poor choice, a sinful decision, or entertain sinful thoughts, or have a sinful act. And and from time to time, you and I will have the need to, to repent before the Lord. You and I at times will have a situation in our life where we need to acknowledge before God that I allowed something into my life that didn't belong there. In the same way that, you know, we think of those silly stories I told before, what God is looking for is simply for us to acknowledge it. And Jeremiah said, in fact, Jeremiah said, 2,500 years ago, Jeremiah wrote these words. He said, therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will 
restore you that you may serve me. This, these words echo through eternity. Jeremiah said, the Lord says, if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. One of the reasons that God wants to restore us is so that we can serve him with a clean heart. And at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to do something that you and I should be doing every day is we should be on a regular daily basis emptying the contents of our heart before the Lord. Readily acknowledging that I do not always live according to the standard that God has laid before me. And every day I, I should find time to empty the contents of my heart before the Lord and say, God, will you search me and identify anything in me that doesn't belong there so that I can live for you in purity and holiness and serve the living God. And God is so ready and so willing to forgive you and invite you back into fellowship with himself. And I want to I wanna share an illustration today that I hope, uh, again, that you carry with you for some time. I, I very much in teaching and preaching believe in taking common things or ordinary things and using them as a means of conveying spiritual truth. Uh, that's how Jesus conducted his ministry. If you're, if you're a gospel reader, if you're familiar with the gospels, you read the life of Christ. He often would use very common things in the world to illustrate a spiritual truth. And so I want to do the same today. And I want to I help you understand, help us understand what it literally means to repent. You know, you might have in your mind the, the idea of, a, of an angry prophet shaking his finger and calling you out to repent. I don't know what images you have in your mind, but I want to I paint a picture today that I think defines repentance for us. And literally, if you read the Bible and look up the original languages in Hebrew and Greek and look at what it means, the most literal translation of the word repent simply is to turn. And that's why I have up here, I have a pillar with a cross on that represents the things of God. And then I have a pillar over here with an apple on, kind of hearkening back to the original entrance of sin into this world. When thousands of years ago, Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God by taking the fruit from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and in that moment, sin entered the world. And ever since that moment, mankind has been given the challenge of choosing death or life. And repentance, in its simplest form, simply means that you are facing some sort of word, deed, action, sinful thing in your life, and God is asking you to turn away from that and turn back to him. That's what repentance means. In fact, some of the translators, if you look in your Bible, instead of the word repent, they actually use the word turn. They don't say repent of your sin. They say turn from your sin. Literally, when you think of repentance, I want you to envision I am facing something that is not of God. God says repent. I will literally turn away from that thing that is of, not of God and turn myself back toward God and agree with him that it was wrong. Some of the nuances of the word repentance, it means to agree with God that there's this thing in my life that, that doesn't belong and when I repent, I'm simply saying to God, God, I agree with you that this thing does not belong in my life and it also means to change my mind. I'm gonna change my mind about this I'm going to turn from it and turn to God. That's what it means to repent. And I set these up this way because I want you to understand something that I believe this. It is impossible to be, walk, to be moving toward God and to be moving toward sin at the same time. This, in this illustration, it is impossible for me to move in both directions at the same time. You are either in your life moving toward God or you are moving away from God. And some of you would rather the illustration be constructed this way. You'd rather be built like this. Well, isn't it possible, Scott, that, you know, I can, I can get this thing going with God, but I can also have some of the things that I really like in this life, some of the sinful things, uh, things I like to watch, things I like to partake of, things I like to do. You're saying, like, isn't, it, isn't this the way it could be, Scott, like, I got some of God and I got some of sin and I don't have to like turn from anything. Like, I, can I just do them both? 
I want to tell you today, and some of you need to hear this, absolutely 100% not. Sinful ways are diametrically opposed to the will of God for a child of God. They are absolute opposites in your life. And notice this, as I draw near to God, I also am drawing away from sin. But as I draw near to sin, I'm actually growing the distance between me and God. And the more I move towards sin, the more I entertain sinful thoughts, words, actions, relationships, whatever the case may be, the more I move in this direction, the further I am separating myself from my Father. And there's only one way to make it right. It's called repentance. Again, Jesus already paved the way for this to be possible. Don't think that you can repent apart from Jesus. You cannot be saved apart from Jesus Christ. He is the only way of salvation. But now, having known Jesus, having given my life to Christ, there's still an aspect of daily living before God, repenting of things in my life that don't belong there. And I'm called to turn from my sin and turn to God. Again, some of you do this. This is your form of repentance. You're like, well, you know, this is how you live your life. God, you know, I, I've got this stuff in my life. God, I really need you to help me with my job. You know, I'm having trouble with my boss. Like, God, would you give me wisdom, Lord? Like, I'm not getting along with my wife right now. Jesus, would you help me with my wife? And, you know, I really need healing. My, I pulled my hamstring at softball last night. I need you to touch me. And, and you're, you're bringing all this stuff to God, and you haven't yet acknowledged the obvious. You're standing before the Lord, still holding on to your sin. And you're looking at God like as if God's going to say, sure, I got that, Scott. What if God is saying to you, what if God is looking on the other side of this? Again, I'm just imagining for myself what it might be like. I imagine the Lord looking at you saying, what you got there? Hey, Scott, what you got there? Like, what is that? Oh, it's nothing, God. Like, nothing. Like, no big deal. Like, but God, like, really, like, I, I'm not getting along with my boss. Like, I need some wisdom this week. Like, give me your spirit. Like, give me the words to say. And God's on the other side, like, you know, Scott, what's, what, what do you got? Like, what is that? Like, how can we come into the presence of the Lord and not acknowledge the obvious? It's like the driver on the road. It's like my dog. Like, just acknowledge it, Right? It's what God's asking us to do. You can't carry sin into his presence. Repentance is saying to you, you need to leave sin where it is. You need to turn your back on sin and turn toward the living God and move toward him in repentance. And then the Father will gladly have a conversation with you. And he will hear you. In fact, the psalm says, I believe it's Psalm 60, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. If I had held sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. And, I, and there's, there's so many things here, like the sin is so deceptive, right? The, the, the more I, the, the longer, I want you to hear this, you need to hear this. Some of you, maybe you're online, you need to hear this very carefully, listen to me. If you're listening, say Amen. The longer your life is facing sin, the more inclined you are to stay here. The longer you allow yourself to be postured in a place of sinful lifestyle, the more inclined you are to stay here. It's like there's an inertia working against you in your life. And the longer you stay here and don't turn from it, the harder it becomes. Likewise, the longer you stay here in the presence of God, seeking the face of God, it also has its own inertia. And it creates it. The more you face Jesus, the less inclined you are to turn back to your life of sin. Because this is where the joy is, the benefits of heaven. This is the scraps of the world. Why would I take the scraps of the world and leave behind the treasures of heaven? Why not take the treasures of heaven and leave behind me the scraps of this life? And, and, and again, sin has this way. Imagine 
the adversary, the enemy of your soul behind this sinful choice saying to you, but you're going to miss out. Like, this is so good, it's going to taste really good. And, and there is an allure to sin, let's be honest. Like, some sinful things can be very tempting and alluring. And the enemy is saying to you, just one more bite. Like, what's it going to hurt? Just one more bite. Like, just one more day, one more moment, one more try, one more watch, one more glance. Because he's trying to get you to think that you're missing out on something. Like, well, what? I'm missing out on the fun. Like, I, it'll feel good. Like, I'm missing out. Because sin wants to convince you that there's, it's better here than it is there. But the same is also true. There's a voice behind the cross saying, but Scott, you're missing out here. You're missing out on this side. What if, church, what if the Father in heaven is holding blessings for you? What if the the God of this universe is waiting to release something into your life, but you still come into his presence like this. And you're trying to do this thing with God, and you carry into his presence all your sin. You don't acknowledge it. You ignore that you did this. And God's saying, Scott, just own it. Just turn from that. I've got all this stuff I want to do in your life. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. But until you turn from that, I can't give you this. The water of life awaits, church. God's blessing awaits. This is where you're missing out, not this. This, church, leave it behind. Leave it behind. This is not where you're missing out. This is where you're missing out. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. This is the benefit package I want, not that one. This is where the Lord is not here. And it's just a simple turn. Again, all of us find ourselves in this place. I, I don't, it's, I'm not trying to, paint this picture that it's just for some of us. It's all of us. All of us at times find ourselves in a place where we didn't mean to be. I've entertained some thoughts or I've watched some things like, no, so it's just so simple. Say, God, no, I agree with you, God, that this is not your will for my life. I turn my back on sin and turn toward the living God. And God will energize that and empower that decision-making. And I don't, again, I don't want to have you leave with this idea that it's, there's some kind of groveling involved. Sometimes, and, and maybe I'm guilty of this too, at times I think preachers, you know, we, we get too, we get so harsh and so serious about encouraging people to leave their life of sin that you kind of get this picture that we have to come to God in this kind of pathetic groveling, say like, oh God, I'm, I'm so sorry, like God, I'm, I'm the slime of the earth, I'm so sinful, and you start to grovel before the Lord. Don't forget that on the other side of the cross is a God who loves you with an everlasting love. The God of this universe, he is your father in heaven. And he loves you with an everlasting, unchanging love. You do not need to grovel before the Lord. You need to be honest with the Lord. You need to own your stuff and, re- and turn from it and repent. But you, God's not looking for you to grovel. He doesn't need you to beg. He simply needs you to, he needs you to acknowledge that what you did was sinful and turn back and receive his forgiveness. Two things happen when you do that. Two things happen. When we repent before the Lord, we repent of this, we turn from this, two things happen. Number one is this. When I repent of anything that doesn't belong in my life and I turn back to God, I am, in a sense, resetting the posture of my life. Again, I'm not saying that you move in and out of relationship with God. I don't believe it's that case. I believe when we're in a place that we don't belong, we are interrupting our fellowship with God, but not changing the nature of our relationship with him. Many of when we when we're here, we're still a child of God. You've got to deny Christ and walk far away before you lose that relationship. But you have interrupted your fellowship, and God is calling you to turn back so that you reset your posture facing the living God. The second thing that happens is this. 
When you repent before the Lord, when you acknowledge that your behavior was sinful, you agree with God that that didn't belong in your life, in some fashion, you are clearing the air between you and God. You're clearing the air, like in a relationship, in a marriage. There are times where you're not getting along, you don't see eye to eye, and so you just have to come and have a conversation and clear the air. And the same is true with God. I believe that there are times where in our sinfulness, we've allowed a fog to accumulate in our relationship with God. And sometimes for people, maybe you're here today, you've been moved away from God, you're so far from God, and it feels very foggy right now in your relationship. The, the clarity with which you see God is not very good. Imagine again, if we use a driving illustration, when you're driving down the road, if you drive into fog, a couple things are true about that situation. Number one, you don't see very far down the road when it's foggy. Number two, you don't see much around you when it's foggy. Every, everything, I want you to get this, when it's foggy, everything is unclear in your life. Everything can be affected by the fog. And number three, there are times if you're driving in the fog, you might even miss signs on the road. Now imagine in your relationship with God, because you're not willing to yet turn from this, you're allowing the fog to gather in your life. And there's this fog between you and God. You can start playing, Alina. You don't, what's true about fog and driving is also true about fog in your relationship with God. When your relationship with your father is foggy, you don't see very far down the road. At times, it feels that nothing is clear in your life. And you may even miss a sign that God sends you. And you're over here praying for discernment and wisdom and, and guidance. And all the while, you've allowed this fog to stay in your life because you're just not willing to acknowledge and, and agree with God that this is sinful. And turn from it. You might agree, yeah, God, that's sinful, that's good. Man, it tastes really good, yeah. God is asking you not just to agree with it, with him, but also to turn from that thing and to reorient your life, the posture of your life, towards the living God. And God wants this for our lives every day as often as necessary. Some of you here, there may be some big things in your life, and you've you feel that you've drifted from God and you are over here and you've been indulging the flesh. You've been living in this world and you know that God is inviting you. You're, you're probably, you got sweaty palms right now. You're sweating in your seat. You're nervous. You're anxious. You're squirming like, oh my word, like I, this is for me. And the Holy Spirit is simply telling you he wants you to do an about face. Whatever that is in your life, you're facing, you're indulging sin. Just turn around and say, God, I'm all yours. I give my life to you, and I want to reset the posture of my life and move toward you. When I draw near to God, He draws near to me. Some of you have small things, and that, that's fine too, but every one of us on a daily basis, I believe, just examine our hearts. Say, God, is there any wicked way in me? And ask the Holy Spirit to, to put His finger on that. That every one of us can live and be holy as He is holy. Why? So that God can restore us on a daily basis that we might serve him with our lives. I said earlier last Sunday, 18 people made a decision to receive Christ as Lord. I want to give you that chance again today. Uh, we talk about repentance. It would be a terrible swing and a miss to preach on repentance and not give somebody in this room the chance to, to repent in the ultimate way where you say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and turn from a life of sin, and having never before received Jesus, you for the first time ever turn and orient your life towards the God of the universe and give your life to Jesus. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it says that God, this is good and pleases God our Savior, listen to this, who wants all men to be saved, right? I think I quoted that wrong. I did. He said, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. The will of God is that no one would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. Every single person, the heart of God is that everybody would come to a place in their life where they recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. 
And if you're here today, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to ask everybody in this room to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a brief moment. And I'm going to count to the number three. And if you're here today in this room or if you are joining us online, you can respond as well at home. And you have never before made a decision to say to God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. When I get to the number three, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Scott, pray for me. Scott, it's me. I have never made a decision to make Jesus my Lord. I've never confessed my sin. I've never repented. I've never accepted Christ as Lord. And I want to do that today. When I get to the number three, I just want you to slip your hand up. One, two, three. Anybody in this room? Anybody see those hands? Anybody else? Anybody else? I see those hands. Don't let this moment slip by. I see those hands. I see those hands. I hope our ushers are seeing where those hands are. We can get a bag in their hand. Some information. Keep your hand up. Anybody else? Say, Scott, it's me. I know that I'm a sinner. I'm here by God's design. This day was for me. I'm here because God brought me here. God brought me here. He showed me himself today. He revealed himself to me today. And I want to make Jesus my Lord. I confess my sin and make him my Savior. Anybody else at all? Here's what I want us to do, church. You can put your hands down for now. I want us to pray a prayer together today. And if you're online again, you can pray with us. You can click that little button in your, your uh, online streaming service, raise your hand, or click in the chat that you receive Christ. I want to lead us in a prayer, a very brief prayer, but I want you to say these words after me. Everybody in this room is going to pray with you. I saw about 10 or 12 hands in this room. Everybody here is cheering you on. They're excited for you. They're going to pray this prayer with you. And it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the faith in your heart in Jesus that saves you. But I want to pray this prayer. Everybody say these words after me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. On this day, I repent of my sin and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And on this day, I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. Now help me live for him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate that today? Come on. Jesus told us in one of the Gospels that when just one sinner repents and comes to Christ for life, that all of heaven rejoices over that. There's a party right now happening in heaven because over a dozen people in this room and probably some online made a decision to receive Jesus as Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, in that bag you received, there's a book in there because you're probably wondering to yourself, well, what do I do now? This book is a, an answer to that question. We want to help you walk in this newness of life. You, in essence, said, you know what? I've, I'm going to turn from my life of sin. I'm going to turn towards the living God. Jesus died on the cross as a payment for my sin. Now help me live this life for him. That's what this book is designed to help you to do. We also want to help you in that journey. There's a card in this uh, bag. We would love the opportunity to follow up with you, to help you, maybe answer questions, have a conversation with you, pray with you. If you'll fill out this card and drop it at the hub on your way out, somebody from one of our teams will be in contact with you on our staff and kind of talk with you about what do I do now, help you get connected, help you make decisions. And so fill this out, drop it off at the hub on your way out today, and we will follow up with you. Same thing online. There's a link in there. You can click on that link and uh, take you to a webpage where you can fill out some information and give us the chance to follow up with you and help you in this journey of now following Jesus as the Lord of your life. Amen. Uh, we're not done yet, uh, but I'm going to ask you to stand. Go ahead and stand all over this room. In just a moment, our worship team is going to lead us in a song. And after that song, I'll come back to the stage and I will then dismiss us in a word of prayer. But this can feel in some measure an awkward moment because I want to ask you, to repent, not in some weird corporate repeat after me fashion, but I'm going to ask you to do business with God. You're right in your seat, right where you're standing. But if there is anything in your life that 
that lands in this category. It's in your thought life, decisions that you've made. It's your lifestyle. It's a living arrangement. The Holy Spirit knows. And many of you in this room are already Christians. You're believers. You're children of God. But there are times that we still allow this stuff to be in our lives. And as our team leads us in this song called Nothing Else, I want you to do whatever you need to do. The Holy Spirit is in this room. He's in your life. And he is probably stirring you probably pointing out some things in your heart that he simply wants you to acknowledge before the Lord. He's putting his finger on your life right now, creating a little bit of discomfort in you, pointing something out so that you'll, in in the moments of this worship song, just reflect and say, God, you, you know what? I am sorry. God, there's these things I've done. I've watched this. I've allowed this. And God, right now on this day, I repent. I repent of this behavior I repent of this sinful attitude. I repent of this sinful unforgiveness. I repent of this sinful behavior. God, today, I repent. Now help me to walk in a lifestyle of repentance. So take a few moments as they lead this song and and do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Just as I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions, I'm sorry. I just sang another song. Take me back to where we start. Open up my heart to you. Oh, I'm sorry. When I've come. Sure enough, take me back to where we start. I open up my heart to you. Oh, caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. Yes, God, we just want you, Lord. Yes, God, we bless you, Lord. Jesus. Let's worship him, church. Let's worship him, church. Oh, nothing else, Jesus. Yes, God, we bless you, Lord. Yes, God. If anybody needs prayer, go and come forward. If you need to talk to God at the altar, don't let anything stop you right now. Some people already responded. If you need to walk forward and you want to talk to God, just have a moment at the altar. We'd love for you to come and receive prayer. If you have a need in your life, our altar team will be here. They'd love to pray with you as well. I love the lyric of that song. It says that nothing else will do sorry for the for coming with my own agenda there's some power in those lyrics i want to remind you today and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom right church there's freedom and every one of you i don't know where you're at the spirit of god knows who you are he knows you by name in fact the bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head he knows you intimately and he knows what you've laid down today And he is so ready to empower you with joy, 
with grace, with mercy, with forgiveness. And he wants you to walk out of this place in total, complete freedom in Christ. Total freedom. Because you've laid it down, you've repented of that thing that doesn't belong there. You've turned from it. You've reset the posture of your life. And you've now cleared the air with God. And you can walk out of this room with total freedom, knowing that you have made things right through Jesus with your Father in heaven. Again, if you need prayer, you, I'm going to dismiss this in prayer, but if you need prayer, you come down and find a place to pray. Otherwise, we bless you on this day. Let's pray. God, I, I bless your name today. Again, God, we thank you that we have the freedom to gather like this. We have the freedom to worship like this. We have the freedom to declare the name of Jesus and the kingdom of his God. There's nothing that hinders us right now. We're grateful for that, God. We also thank you that in the presence of the Lord is freedom. And I pray, God, that every one of us today, God, would, would sense and feel in a very tangible way a new degree of freedom in our lives as we lay down those things that don't belong and live our lives for you. God, I pray that in this, the final moments of the service that you continue, God, to release over your people the kingdom of God. Release over them supernatural blessing and favor and grace and goodness and forgiveness of our sin and release the life of Jesus on them this day, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and amen and amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all. I pray you have an amazing, amazing day. God bless you.